Ah, sweet land of liberty. Our founding fathers not only pledged, but gave their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to obtain our God-given liberty. Now it's our turn. Liberty can only thrive if it's alive in the hearts of a freedom-loving people. I'm Dan Matthews, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Freedom's Ring. Here's our host and constitutional lawyer and minister, Alan Reinach. We're in the studio today on the 16th anniversary of September 11th, and as I was driving in this morning and thinking about where I was, and, you know, I'm a New Yorker. That was my home that was hit. But I also think of others whose homes have been hit. And our show today, we're going to talk about Iraq, a country that has been devastated during the past 16 years, many homes destroyed, and efforts to rebuild. Our guest today, Luan Sabatier, Director of Strategy and Communication with the 21st Century Wilberforce Initiative. Luann, thanks for being with us on Freedom's Ring today. Well, thank you for asking me. Well, for starters, um, would you give our listeners a, a, just a brief introduction to what the 21st Century Wilberforce Initiative is? Sure, be glad to. The 21st Century Wilberforce Initiative is a Christian um, international religious freedom organization that launched about three years ago, founded by a pastor in Texas and immediately joined by former Congressman Frank Wolf, uh, who has a distinguished career, 34 years in, on Capitol Hill, and particular in international religious freedom. Um, if you think about Wilberforce, think of the acronym ACT, A-C-T. So this organization advocates both um, in-country for all around the world for those who are being persecuted, um, as well as in the U.S., we're training leaders to go help those in persecuted countries, stand for their rights, fight the persecution. C for capacity building. We do a tremendous uh, training on how they can advocate. What are their rights? What is leadership, Christian leadership? How do you stand up against authorities in a biblical manner? And T for technology. So act, advocacy, capacity building, and technology, all related to global international religious freedom. And um, your website is 21wilberforce.org for our listeners to, to find out more. 21wilberforce.org. Now, our topic today is Iraq, a country that, despite the investment of, you know, billions and tens of billions of dollars, um, and of course, tremendous American involvement, is still a country that is, uh, is needing to be rebuilt. Um, the Wilberforce Initiative recently issued uh, policy recommendations from Congressman Wolf. Can you tell us about some of those? Sure. Uh, if I could, uh, let me back up just briefly. When Wilberforce was just a week old, three years ago, the, we got on a plane and went to Iraq. Uh, this was um, what had happened the summer of 2014. The world watched as Islamic State began their murderous march across northern Iraq. And so just four or five months later, in the throes of that, we were on the ground to document, to observe, to try to come back and tell um, our view to those in Congress, as well as in the church at large in North America, what was happening. 
So uh, why that was important, and and I'll tie the 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 strings together here is we were one of the first organizations to be promoting the thought that what was happening was genocide against Christians and Yazidis, that ISIS was trying to wipe out the Christian faith of the Middle East, and in particular in Iraq. We were able to get traction with many organizations and denominations, including the Seventh-day Adventists and, and, and Catholics and many others, and uh, worked for many months to get that genocide declaration. Why that is important is it's a domino effect. Once you are declared genocide and war crimes, then, then to your point, as we've gone back and just visited again and see that while ISIS may be losing the battle for real estate in Iraq, they have very much, and they're moving on in different types of warfare, they have decimated the Christian community. And so with that genocide declaration, you're hoping that that releases money to rebuild and money for the Christians to go back and build their schools and churches and for humanitarian aid and for security. So we went back again. Our third trip was just a couple, a month ago, and we're very discouraged. And we've released an updated report um, called Northern Iraq 2017. It can be found under resources on our website because what we found is that they're being asked, the Christians are being asked to go back, and there's nothing to go back to and no one to protect them. And so there's some money that's not been spent by the U.S. government. There's just a lot of policies uh, that I'd like to, uh, I can drill down into six or seven points. Um, but I wanted to give your readers and listeners a, a context for that, if that's okay. Sure. No, absolutely. This is great. But the, um, the Congress did pass the genocide resolution earlier in 2017, correct? They did. Correct. And now what we're trying to do, believe it or not, only in our country, and I'm not smiling as I say this, do we have to pass another bill to say pay attention to the first one. So the first policy recommend is would it's called the Genocide Accountability Act. It was HR three ninety saying would the Senate please they have bipartisan said, would they please release the money? Would they hold the war criminals uh, accountable. responsible for and accountable for what they did, and can we get the aid released? So one of the policy recommendations are, come on, guys, it's been a year. Not None of the money, most of it has not been spent that was allocated a year ago to start this um, uh, long road journey back to allow Christians to return to their home. So, you know, I have to ask, there's been a lot of discussion in the news media about the slow speed at which the new administration has filled diplomatic posts and, um, you know, how the State Department is handicapped by that. Are these funds that would flow through state? Would they flow through defense? Um, what's the process for getting the funds released and actually helping people on the ground in Iraq? Yes. Answer, and, I'm, and I'll explain that as yes to all of the above. So when Congress authorizes and they direct the State Department and simultaneously there's funds traveling different paths, the State Department and USAID 
to use those appropriated funds um, and also to investigate the war crimes. Uh, so both of them, uh, some things are happening in that, yes, um, we do have some incredible personnel, such as Knox Thames, uh, special advisor in the Middle East and State Department, that are working very hard, but there is a hindrance. When you do have an administration change and when some of those positions are void, but to your point, some people who have remained uh, in other positions from the previous administration may have a different uh, viewpoint on how to direct the, the funds. So the, some of the funds that may have been spent may have been spent uh, in that area, but not and not against or above the law, but not necessarily to help Christians. So we have, it's a domino effect. So we have vacant positions. We need fresh eyes, uh, not only on those positions that need to be filled. We need some fresh eyes on, on the money, some of it that is being, um, dispersed. Uh, is it being dispersed appropriately? Sure. Let me ask you something basic. Prior to the overthrow of Saddam, how large was the Christian community in Iraq? And how greatly reduced is it today? Anywhere prior to the um, ISIS and Saddam, the estimates are 1.5 to 1.8 million Christians in the region. And today we are looking at about 150,000. Ouch. And also, if you talk about the Yazidis, um, they have been reduced. Uh, greatly too. That's another religious minority that's been severely impacted. Uh, listen, I'm not trying to um, overstate the case when I say you could see the eradication uh, of Christians in the cradle of Christianity, Aramaic. And you're not the only one saying it. You're absolutely not. This is so serious. Our um, our listeners need to to appreciate what we're facing here. And then we go back to not just the money, but security. Uh, insecurity is the number one problem. Uh, security and protection is really, really important. And so, um, you know, things like training their police force and their security forces, the U.S. can help train that. That would help give people some comfort in going back. Um, also, one of the things that happens, and and, uh, and some of your listeners may be surprised, even though we have many people in regions and embassies all around the world, sometimes they don't venture too far out beyond the embassy. So we don't have relationships with necessarily groups that are trying to build new coalitions and government in those regions. So uh, it's really important that we uh, have those relationships because without it, the contractors who are doing the security and helping the rebuilding can't even move freely throughout Iraq. Um, another thing is Iran has ambitions in Iraq. No question. And so if achieved, uh, Hezbollah and Assad will become a direct threat to Israel. Um, Iran is, is hoping to supply the military in Iraq, Syria, and Lebanon with guns. So in a post-ISIS Iraq, this needs to be addressed. So you have an issue of money, you have an issue of security, you have an issue of relationships, and then foreign policy. So I would say those four critical areas um, to be 
tended to. And, you know, one of the things, to, and again, maybe your listeners can be most engaged in this, um, is the communities that need to unite behind them, not only the diaspora, but the Christians in North America. Um, we can stand up and work with those communities on the ground to have a positive influence, whether it's through intentional prayer, through donations, through contacting our congressmen. Uh, do not ever hesitate what your impact can be if you are listening to this program. Well, H.R. 390 is still pending in the Senate, right? And we should be it urging... Is. And let me tell you, it's caught up in a committee. And what's interesting is we think even a lot of the senators, it passed the House, to get behind this, but it's stuck in a committee. It needs to get out of the committee and get to a vote. So they're hearing from people in churches, letter signs all around this country, and it's stuck. Well, and so anything you can do to call your Congress, your senator, uh, and encourage them to take a stand to get this out of committee before it dies. And because if it doesn't come out, we're out of time, Luann. So let me, it's the, it's H.R. House uh, Resolution 390, H.R. 390, the Iraq and Syria Genocide Accountability Act. And it's very easy to contact Congress. So please, please take the time now. Absolutely. We're out of time as we close. I want to thank Luanne Sabatier, 21st Century Wilberforce Initiative, for being our guest on Freedom's Ring. As we close, we want to remind our listeners here at Freedom's Ring, we don't just talk the talk about religious freedom. We help those suffering religious discrimination. Check out our legal resources page at www.churchstate.org. That's church, state, all one word, churchstate.org. And Freedom's Ring is available on SoundCloud and on iTunes. Don't forget, friends, freedom is not free. Be informed. Get involved. This has been Freedom's Ring. I'm your host, Alan Reinach. Until next week, let freedom ring. Freedom's Ring.